and you are watching us here on SCW, the wrestling channel here on YouTube.com. It is podcast time. We're going to be doing the week in wrestling. That's right. We're going to be going over the biggest week in wrestling in arguably the last 18 years. We're going to be talking uh, a brand new season premiere of all the shows. We've got Raw. We've got NXT. We're going to be talking AEW. We're going to be talking SmackDown Live. There's been so much going on. We've had new sets. We've had new commentary teams. We've had, you know, new debut faces. We've had some returns, some of the old faces, new champions crowned. There's been so much to go through. And, uh, of course, the most important thing of everything, perhaps, maybe, for the first time in 18 years, a head-to-head on the USA Network at the same time as going head-to-head with TNT WWE finally has some competition. It may be the C brand, but they have competition. And in the ratings, AEW actually won. Uh, But we're going to be discussing everything in full detail for you and giving our uh, thoughts of what we thought of the shows and um, what our pros and cons are from the wrestling week. But before I do anything, I need to introduce James. James, how are you doing? How have you enjoyed this wrestling week? And thank you once again for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's been... um... It's been a busy week, hasn't it? Um, lots of um, lots to digest, and um, I like the the layout of it all as well. I think we we spoke about it earlier in the week the fact that it's not all crumpled into uh, the beginning or the end of the week. It's spread out nicely, um, even with the addition of a new show um, to add to the mix in AEW. Um, but it's it's been it's been fascinating to watch. It really has been, and you actually make a great point there. I mean, shows have changed days as well. I mean, SmackDown no longer on the Tuesday. It's now back to Friday night SmackDown. Um, are you a fan then, obviously, of it being on Fridays? Is it easy, more easy accessible for you to watch it this way? Um, I, not necessarily easier accessible, but I just think it's nice to have a bit of time to digest the other shows. I mean, when you think about it, before we would probably not watch Raw or SmackDown till the day after anyway, so you're looking at a Tuesday and a Wednesday in the UK. And um, you almost don't have time to digest what you've seen from the night before. Um, I think this way round, at least you've got the days, you know, in between to um, kind of take in in what you've watched and um, and see where it leads to and gives you a bit more time. Especially when you think about, I, I know NXT is probably still classed as the, the kind of third brand that doesn't have any link to the main um, Raw and SmackDown. But before we had them two days in a row and you'd have the same superstar showing up on both, that was it's kind of like a bit repetitive. And at least with this, it kind of spreads it out a little bit better. No, I certainly agree. And I think it's very important to have that impact because sometimes with, um, you know, these wrestling shows, like you say, um, we're given a lot of content and then we don't have the time to take it all in. Like you say, I mean, say a big angle takes place on Raw and before you know it, we've got a whole new set show on SmackDown, a whole new set of superstars. Yes, we've had the wild cards. Some of the things have been going over week to week. But for a lot of the time over these last three or so years that we've had SmackDown Live on Tuesday, we haven't had that time, like you say, to digest everything, especially from a pay-per-view as well. You know, you have then three or four shows with a takeover as well within a quick succession of days. NXT then on the Wednesday, like you say, it's been overkill. And at this point going forward, it doesn't really feel that way. We've got even a a nice little gap between the Friday and the pay-per-view on Sunday. So Mm -hmm. it's very nice in that retrospect. And I do completely agree with you. Um, I do feel that we're perhaps we should start from the start of the week and work our way through um, back to the end of the week of where we've just seen SmackDown Live, of course, um, or should we say Friday Night SmackDown last night, the first one on Fox. But of course, everything began with Monday Night Raw, the season premiere on the USA Network. 
And uh, we first off, we got a, a glimpse of a brand new set, uh, which of course did have a bit of a skater boy feel about it. But um, I quite liked it. I thought it was it was fresh, it was innovative. It's a, a new design, and um, yeah, I liked I liked how it was put together. What were your thoughts to the new set? Yeah, I, I thought it was. It, it's nice to look at because. Again, we've probably had the same sets on um, Raw and SmackDown now for, like you say, probably three years, I'd say, maybe maybe even longer. Um, so to see a different staging set out, um, the new logo for Raw, which, which looks nice. Um, but the biggest thing for me was the pyro coming back and, and having, um, you know, just that additional little buzz for the entrances not all of them but most of the the big stars have got that um big explosion when they come out or as part of their um entrance routine and i think that just adds and for the audience as well you can tell that just makes a difference it really does and i really like that you brought that up as well because as well with the video packages they kind of link so much nicer together with this new stage on raw where you've got the the connect to go on the ramp entrance ramp as well don't they and everything just went well together with i mean the miz particularly when he come out i really felt like he looked like a bona fide genuine star for the first time in quite a while because he's had probably a bad 2019 in booking terms in wwe but he came out he had that the whole sort of red carpet feel with the way he, when he came in his entrance the fireworks pyro went off where he had his you know his little salute as well to the crown it just i felt like i was looking at a star again and mm. and, and that instant feeling Everyone seems more creditable, more important. And I felt that the fans really got a buzz from that pyro as well. And segments become more important very quickly. It felt that rather than people feeling bored, uh, you know, it sounds a bit silly, really, but it's almost like a wake-up call every time then fireworks go off in, in an arena mm. when you're around it. You're going to be, you know, high energy, high pumped. And, I mean, even when you look at a segment, for example, where with Miss TV, as we mentioned there, where we've got Hogan and Flair in there, I mean, not that I wanted to hear it, fans were chanting for one more match between them, which I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have got had there been no pyro, no anything. So mm. in some ways, it got everyone invested. Maybe not fully for the right reasons, but they got everyone invested in almost everything going on. And that was really exciting. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and when you compare it to someone like Brock Lesnar coming out, he does the same entrance, um, kind of arm pumping as he, as he comes out and things like that, where usually there would be that bang and pyro kicking off. And without that... It, kind of makes it a little bit flat because yeah. it's, it's what we were used to when the pyro was on and I know that they stopped it for financial reason, reasons but obviously that's they're in a lot healthier position now um, especially with the network deals that they've got and um, like you say the USA um, network and Fox now as well I think um, hopefully it's in, in to stay Definitely indeed. I mean, we will actually go on to our ups and downs from Raw just very quickly. But before we do, we must talk about the commentary team as well. Of course, mm. out of very out of left field, you would say, with the choices perhaps made for a commentary team. Um, but um, I, I thought they, they did an all right job. I think they need more time to gel personally. And for those who aren't aware, of course, of Vic Joseph, of course, been seen on 205 Live. Uh, Dio Madden as well, also been on 205 Live, but only for a matter of weeks. He'd not really been much on WWE programming. And Jerry the King Lauder was put for a free man team. Um, I, I thought they were okay. I think it took a bit of time for them to get going, but I was a particularly a big fan of Vic Joseph, and I think he's got a lot to offer. Uh, and I do think, give it a month, maybe two months, I think a lot of people in the wrestling community will be singing his name. Uh, how did you feel about the free man team here? Yeah, I mean, I, I really 
enjoyed their their commentary. I thought, to to be fair, Jerry was um, at the beginning probably the first kind of hour of the show at least. He was he was over the top a bit, but maybe it's because the other two were still a little bit nervous or a little bit kind of finding their feet. So a lot of the time, if there was any sort of pause and there was any kind of silence, it's usually be Jerry the King Lawler that you heard then say something, one of his shrieks of saying something or other. Um, so, but f- from my understanding and things that I've read and we've discussed, I don't think Jerry's there for the long term. And I wondered, based on, I know we'll come to SmackDown, have been um, going into a bit more detail on that, but I wonder if they'll go down to a two-man commentary team on Raw as well. Um, however, I have also seen rumours that other people might get involved. Yeah, I mean, I have heard those rumours as well. I mean, apparently there is uh, multiple different rumours going around. So at this point, we're not really sure which direction they are going to go in. Jerry King Law, I've been heard, is temporary. I've also said he's got the role for as long as he wants it from Vince McMahon. I've also seen at the same time that Mickey James could be brought in as a, as a commentator, which apparently she's been doing main event very recently. She's just made her debut on the, on the show there. Uh, it seems a lot more superstars are taking the direction of looking into commentary. It seems Corey Graves has opened that door where if it's not quite worked for you in the ring, that this is a new direction going forward. I mean, Aiden English as well was taken to mm. two of there's a lot of superstars that seem to be looking that direction. Um, do we think more superstars may be looking at this as an avenue if they can't seem to break through on WWE TV? Uh, it could certainly happen. I mean, when you think about the promo work that they have to do and you know things like that, that's all geared towards something like that if it doesn't work out in the ring. Um, you know, If they're not that great in the ring but their promo work is amazing, then potentially that's an avenue they could go down. Um, but I mean, even even when you look at kind of NXT with Nigel McGuinness on there, like he is, for me, one of the best co-commentators in WWE at the moment. And I think I'm surprised they didn't look at him to bring him onto Raw. Um, however, with NXT now being kind of mainstream, um, keeping him and Mauro Ronaldo together is is key for me because they are incredible as a duo. I think that could be a case because it's head to head on that show and uh, mm. they. Balance, and I think they probably want to keep Maro kind of happy, I suppose, because he's got they've got a very settled team, haven't they? There, and yeah. I suppose they'd want to they don't want to upset the balance with that, especially when they're going head to head with another company on that day. It's almost as if it feels like the Raw has become the minor show. Would you kind of agree with that? It's the least important show right now. Um, I mean, they threw a lot at SmackDown. I mean, like you say, with commentary teams, I mean, it's a very new you, you'd almost say NXT has the second, um most um, strongest, uh, that's probably the wrong word, has the second strongest team in commentary um, Mm. now. Um, With Michael Cole and Corey Graves going over to SmackDown, um, yeah, it it would appear that way. I don't think we'll know the direction that they're both heading until the draft happens. Um, But as for commentary teams, I like the fact that they're trying to throw it at Fox and SmackDown now where you've got this established team that have been together for ages. NXT settled, so no need to change that. And Raw, they're kind of giving it a new lease of life on the commentary side. So um, I think I think it's a good way to, to um, try and build something fresh. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I must admit, I did feel that uh, from what you said before as well, Jerry the King Lord perhaps was a bit over the top maybe the first hour, but seemed to ease us. Maybe the nerves were kicking in for the other two guys, maybe. Uh, I mean, Dio Madden was quite 
quite quiet during that first hour as well. So maybe he was filling in his gaps. I did feel that Dio Madden had a bit of an AEW sound about him, which was uh, just a, a personal humor I found whilst watching W programming. I felt like I was listening to Escalabella. Maybe there was a, uh, you know, an unmasking going on from somewhere. But um, at the same time, it was, um, no, it was fresh. It was exciting. And um, I, I look forward to seeing where it's going to be going forward. Um, I do want to get any ups and downs of Raw. And I think the, the place to start, really, you mentioned Brock Lesnar a couple of minutes ago, and he seems to be heavily featured with WWE programming this week. Uh, of course, he interrupted Rey Mysterio on a promo. Mm. Rey Mysterio was due to go for the Universal Championship. He came out um, after Rey made this promo in front of his son and saying he was going to, you know, go for the title. Brock came out straight immediately, F5 Rey Mysterio, so dominant, so beast-like. It felt like a Brock Lesnar of old here. And it felt like that Brock had a bit of, uh, almost a bit of drive in him. Like, you know, mm. I've not seen this Brock for a while. And the way he went, and, and he then went to the crowds and, and pulled Dominic from out the crowd and brutalized him. I mean, we've seen him being, you know, thrown around the outside of the ring, thrown around inside the ring. The German suplex, particularly inside the ring for me, was one of the most vicious spots. And I don't know, just also when he was thrown back out of the ring as well. Dominic sold everything so well. It was unbelievable. I almost feel that Dominic, you know, we've heard he's been training. He must be ready for a WWE ring because he made Brock look even better than Brock was looking, throwing him around. You know, as the guy, mm. you look at the Brock throw people around, go, he's a beast. But the way Dominic was selling it was just second to none. And it was a very key moment as well, just before I get your view on this, James, that, that I absolutely loved as well. There was a point where Rey Mysterio just sort of come back to life a little bit, could see his son being victimised. And you just see him. He, he was helpless. He couldn't help the situation. He just put his arm around Lesnar's leg as if to say, stop, before being picked up and f 5 once again. There was absolutely no mercy shown. And I must admit, as a bloodthirsty fan, I loved it. James, how did you feel? It it was brutal, wasn't it? That's, that's I think, the, the key thing. Like, you knew once he kind of looked at Dominic that something was going to happen. I didn't expect it to be as brutal as what it was. I mean, even just the the body slam into the um, into the ring post for me that was like the first thing he did to Dominic, and I was just like that looked painful just from the way he was selling it. And I really couldn't tell. And this for me is is key when you're a, especially an older viewer watching wrestling these days. If you're if you can't tell whether they're actually in genuine pain or not. And I'm sure even when they're they're not, they're still probably a little bit. But this looked like almost as if Brock had snapped and then just gone AWOL and gone on a rampage. Um, It was incredible. And, you know, interesting you you say about Dominic being ready because I I did read something the other day about WWE trademarking Prince Mysterio. As a, um, which is potentially going to be his wrestling name, um, which which I think would be a good move to go down. Um, you know, a passing of the torch maybe later down the line. But it's it's um, it it was fascinating to watch from the kickoff, and I thought it was a great way to open um, the the season premiere of uh, of Raw. No, I agree. It was very Paul Heyman as well. You know, it mm. just. Being an ECW fan as well from from the old days, it just felt like it was one of those things where it was just like, bam, do you know what I mean? There you are, there's your, you know, as Paul Heyman would describe back in those days, like everything was very, um, you know, 80s rock and then Nirvana came and then bam, the whole industry yeah. changed. It just felt very in your face and that, that's a very Paul Heyman, the way he does things. And for me, I, I 
thoroughly enjoyed that. And I just think it was a great way to kick off the show. Just one thing, just to go back onto Rey Mysterio's promo, which just, um, there was a, a conversation that I believe um, I've had this week, and it might have been with you, actually, where there was the idea that perhaps maybe there was a tease where we wondered if maybe Dominic might actually turn heel if the, nothing had happened and gone through tonight. Did you feel there was ever a, a, a point there was a tease where Rey Mysterio was like going to go for the championship, doing it for his son, that maybe there could have been a storyline that maybe Dominic might have turned on his dad? Was there ever that seed of doubt in your mind? I never thought it for this week's show in particular, but I have felt it in previous kind of segments that them two have had um, in, in previous kind of storylines that Ray's done, where he was going through a bit of a losing streak and things like that. There was times when I thought then that Dom was going to um, going to turn on him, but not not with this one for me. I hadn't even thought that far ahead, to be honest, because I, I knew, I think it was too obvious that Ray wasn't going to win the belt in my eyes. Um, so I never never saw it as a, a potential or, and, and also, what would the benefit be if he interfered or anything like that? So, um, yeah, at, at the time, who knows where it's going to go now, though? I mean, you know, Dom could blame Ray for for um, what's happened. We, we don't know. We certainly don't. Of course, Ray was uh, almost crying. It's my fault. It's my fault. We didn't see Ray Mysterio anymore during the evening. So we didn't have a challenger for the Universal Championship. And we'll come back to that later in, in this show. Of course, we should talk about... The Miss TV segment, I think, is definitely a, a one of the highlights of Raw. And mm. the thing is for me, it's a highlight of Raw because it adds a positive and a negative in the same segment here. we got Ric Flair and Hogan together in the ring. And, of course, bringing that nostalgia factor. Yes, it brings some casual fans in. There's an up there for that. There's definitely some some definitely positive vibes with that. we got uh, announced that there'll be a 10-man tag team match uh, with those guys being captains um, and, and picking five members for each of their teams that were going to take place at Crown Jewel. Now, for me, the reason why this becomes a bit of a negative is because we have Hell in a Cell this week. And for me, judging on the Brock segment with Rey Mysterio, there was nothing there for Hell in a Cell to gain from it. Uh, it was simply to build for Friday at that time. And we looked then at this here, and this is to do with a pay-per-view that's after Hell in a Cell. Did this make Hell in a Cell feel less important to you at this moment? I wouldn't say it made it feel less important, but I feel like it's made it a little bit more predictable with regards to some of the choices made. Um, I think we spoke about it in the fact that Seth seems to be the first pick for Team Hogan, um, which would lead me to think that he's definitely going to drop the belt this weekend. I I would have predicted that anyway. Um, even though uh, Bray, as the Fiend, has been dominant over Seth for weeks now um, and over everyone, I feel it's too soon to for, for him to, to lose a match. He's only actually had one match so far, hasn't he? As a televised match. So for him to lose, it would kind of really deflate this kind of wave that's building with him because it's, it's probably one of the biggest... Um, pushes that I think I've ever seen in WWE in in the sense that when this started ages ago straight away from the off we were all hooked and there's not been any bumps in the road as far as I can see so far with it Uh, and I hope that this weekend isn't the same but going back to the the crown jewel aspect um, 
I think it's strange to have it at Crown Jewel when, forgive me if I'm wrong, but is Survivor Series the next one off that, or or have I got that wrong? It is, yeah, it is. And and Survivor Series being famous for having traditional five on five matches, um, and multi man tag, multi women tag matches. Um, I think you said to me there's potential for this to be repeated again at Survivor Series. So. Let's see what happens. What I did like was um, almost the awkwardness at the beginning from Ric Flair, and I felt like he really had genuine beef with Hogan to start with, which made me laugh. And I don't know whether it was all a bit of an act, but that for me made me chuckle because I, I genuinely thought he did not like him. He just had to, he was just doing a job, but um, I think they kind of um, made it clear they was they was on good terms. Yeah, it was very entertaining to watch. I mean, Ric Flair was probably some of his best work in a while mm. there. Definitely in the ring, definitely. You know, you, you got to see the nature boy there in, in, in styling and profiling best, really. And um, One other thing that's very interesting about this match as well that's been booked for Crown Jewel is that uh, if you're a TNA or an Impact Wrestling fan, this has been done in the past. Uh, we have had a five-on-five with Hogan and Flair's captains as well done in TNA. I believe it was back in 2010. I could be wrong. It could be 2011. Of course, Ric Flair had the faction Fortune. And, uh, of course, Hogan had his team as well at the same time. And I'm not sure if it was probably mortal or not. But uh, it, it goes back away there. But um, they have done this in the past. So we kind of yeah. got almost a carbon copy thing here. But for me, that was the thing that was disappointing about it is that uh, we, like you said there, we, we know... Uh, it's looking past Hell in a Cell. And also, you said that Seth Rollins was, was the first pick there. The guy's universal champion. Is that belt not going to be on the line at Crown Jewel? I'm unsure. I kind of feel that it will be, which makes you wonder if, if you've already got a result given away there. It was interesting to see that uh, quite a few names were kind of given as well in that spot quite quickly. Ric Flair got Randy Orton and Baron Corbin. And then we saw Rusev come out. And Rusev had been almost like a heel the last couple of weeks on Raw, had come saviour and uh he's all of a sudden a face he's been he's protecting Seth Rollins gets himself involved on team Hogan and what were your thoughts of Rusev making this surprise save for Seth Rollins yeah for, that that was again for me I think because there hadn't really been much explanation off the back of last week when he first came back um and then and then he came out to help Seth and then obviously followed it up afterwards with challenging him for a universal title shot so it was all a bit kind of yeah it was a, it was a bit kind of seemed, seemed a bit rushed um mm. in my opinion I think they could have done something else with all that stuff but you know I mean I'm pleased that Rusev's back first and foremost you know he, he has been a bit of a miss I think um and considering again what they could have done with him with how over he was at, at one stage um with Rusev Day um hopefully now well I say hopefully now I'm sure we'll get on to it but um you know they'll use him the right way now you hope so because it felt towards the end of the show that maybe they might start pushing him down the card quite quickly but um we will get to that part a bit later of course Rusev though was asked about Lana which we'll be coming of course further to as well we do know that he is not the father of Maria Canensis' baby. That's one thing is a big positive from Raw this week. Um, but, uh, of course, Rusev, his intentions were to help Seth because he wanted to be the guy challenging for the Universal Championship. He got his wish, and that match was accepted. Um, rather than talk about all the championship matches on Raw, we had three championship matches, and all those guys 
retain their belts. Uh, the Raw Tag Team Champions, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, I believe were retaining its heavy machinery. AJ Styles defended successfully against Cedric Alexander. And of course, uh, well, we didn't really get a result with Rusev and Seth Rollins, but of course, that match uh, was the champion retained uh, because of the fact there was a no result there. But looking at it, um, I'm going to go back to Hell in a Cell here with this question, James, is that we've had three championship matches on Raw here. And uh, with the exception of the Universal Championship, the other two belts are not on the line this Sunday. Does that give you an opinion that Raw mattered more this week than the pay-per-view itself? I think the way that WWE were booking Raw and SmackDown this week was almost as if they were the pay-per-views and Hell in the Cell is a bit of an afterthought. Unfortunately, with timing and scheduling, they've kind of had to do it that way. And especially with the week building as much as it has done. Like the, the build towards this week in wrestling overall has been huge. The fact that they've made Raw a season premiere, you know, which to me was a bit weird anyway. But, you know, we, we've had... I, I understood the, the new big Friday night Smackdown. Monday night Raw, you know, it's... Nothing. Nothing's really changed. So I don't. There wasn't as if it was a, a a fresh start or anything really, other than the new set. Which don't get me wrong, I won't complain about. But yeah, it was a bit weird. But it felt like they were doing that intentionally to try and kind of keep or or give the numbers a boost as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not so long since the season finale, was it? Really, it was mm. only. One week previous, but um, looking at that main event quickly because that's where the, the beef of entertainment is to talk about here, really, with the mm. rest of the show. I mean, of course, we said there was a no contest there because the fiend got involved uh, and attacks um, Seth Rollins, of course, and that was what closed the show off. But before that, Seth Rollins was outside of the ring, Rusev was inside, and we saw a returning Bobby Lashley who hit the stage. Um, and was almost sort of standing next to us because Baron Corbin and Randy Orton were watching for no apparent reason this main event going. They just stood there, you know, just watching. They might as well have been garden gnomes. But, um, you know, looking at Lashley come out, he pointed back to the stage a number of times, but eventually we got the music and Lana came out and was with him. Full on kissing as well. Um, it was definitely shock TV at its best. It almost, um, as George, of course, who does do these shows uh, with us sometimes, said it was very Russo-esque the way that this was booked. Very Vince Russo. Um, would you agree with that? And, is it a plus or a negative for you? Uh, I didn't feel the kissing and all that should have gone on as long as it did. It just got a bit awkward, yeah. you know. And if I saw someone kissing my wife like that, you know, you'd go and tear him up straight away. So it's um, it, it's a weird... There, there's more to come from that. For me, Lashley's probably going to end up on Team Flair. Um There'll be a storyline of of sorts with Rusev and Lashley having a having a feud, which which I think on paper is actually quite a good feud. Um, I don't know where I see it going though. You know, I've seen a lot of people talking about it as if like they think WWE will kind of screw it up somewhere or another, so it'll be a short-lived storyline and they'll end up back together. Um, don't forget, we've we've seen. Didn't we see Lana with Ziggler at one point? And then, you know, so it's not the first time Lana's gone with someone else. She's got a bit of a reputation now. So, um, but but just on something you've you've mentioned there about um, Randy and Baron Corbin being on the stage, did you see the footage of Baron Corbin's chair collapsing under him? 
I did, yeah. I found it quite humorous, I must yeah. admit. Uh, well, I think it made me laugh more, just Randy Orton's reaction of him absolutely wetting himself, which adds a, a, a human element to it all, which, which I do like from time to time. Definitely, definitely. It was almost shock mask arrest, wasn't it? It was, uh, mm. it was very So, um, yeah. I mean, I wonder if Cody had actually snuck in and, and destroyed the throne before uh, Baron had Maybe. got there. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, as well, you mentioned there, Lana. I mean, yeah, she has had that reputation. I mean, we can't even forget One Night in Milwaukee. Uh, that's also mm. a thing past. And The yeah. Rock has all claimed that it's been there as well. So, uh, but we'll be talking more about The Rock later in this show. Um, I kind of feel like that had the shock TV in. And weirdly, I want to be surprised when I watch WWE TV, whether it's for good reasons or for bad reasons. And I was I was shocked seeing this. It got a reaction out of me. And weirdly enough, I do kind of want to see what happens next. And it did get the best viewership on WWE YouTube, particularly the day after Raw. Uh, I believe that a lot of segments got like 230,000 views on it. This one hit over a million. So this actually went viral. People were invested in what happened here. Like you say, what the interest here is going to be where WWE continues to go with this. Is it going to be interesting in a month's time? Is this going to drag out over a number of months? Like we say, if if Les, um, Lashley sorry, is involved on Team Flair, this isn't finishing on a five-on-five five match. It's mm. going to go to at least Survivor Series, maybe even to the December pay-per-view. So we've, we've kicked into something here that could be for the next 10 or so weeks. We'll have to wait and see. And I hope in one way that it is booked very well because I know from previous ECW stuff, I was a big fan of it back in the day. And I remember when there was a, a, a rivalry between Raven and the Sandman and uh, Raven uh, had like a thing with the Sandman's wife and even even had the Sandman's son involved in the story. And I know Russo doesn't have any kids with Lana at this stage, but that was so, uh, you know, gripping as a storyline at the time. I don't know if they're going to go down a similar avenue in, in kind of ways with it. I mean, of course, we've had as well with, with Tommy Dreamer as well, with with his girlfriend, Beulah McGillicott. I think she was uh, involved maybe with Raven at some point, but someone correct me if I'm wrong with that. I didn't I didn't start following ECW until about 97, so it was uh, maybe a bit before my time. But, um, you know, it's there's a lot of ways they can go with it. I, I don't know. I just trust Paul Heyman with the pencil, mm. but there is something there that makes you think that that's, there's something in this storyline that could work. And, it could help both superstars in the long run. Of course, at the same time, you could argue that Rusev has been brought back to TV and been buried within a couple of weeks. Um, but, I mean, he hasn't lost any matches yet. No, true. But speaking of being buried, one of my major downs or cons for this this week, and I've noticed it probably two or three weeks in a row now, someone who else, someone else who's being buried, Cesaro, what is he wearing <laughs> yeah, they're not something I would go out in. I can tell you. Um, it just, it just, just looks strange for a wrestler to be wearing like what looks like kind of loungewear. Um, you know, a pair, a pair of joggers. Very peculiar attire. Yeah, very much peculiar. I mean, someone will tell me that's fashion, but I'm not quite sure personally. One of my two eyes, or maybe four of them, depending what you know how you. <laughs> You know, it's not, not not what I thought for fashion anyway. But, uh, yeah, and it didn't get him a victory either, which I agree with you. Cesaro, uh, I hope, will be more benefited during the draft. I hope that uh, he gets a fresh start. Uh, I do feel there's going to be quite a lot of movement. I heard before that this draft wasn't going to bring a lot of movement. I think there's going to be. It's over two mm. shows, five hours of television. If it's done as a proper draft, I can see there being a number of moves made here. And I actually am excited to see what that's going to bring. Um, mm. and, uh, maybe... 
we'll have a chance we can talk about that maybe towards the end of the video. But so just before we move on for Raw, because we need to get onto the other shows, um, I do like to just quickly mention about the Authors of Pain, the AOP. Um, have you enjoyed their backstage videos that they've been putting on? Yeah, good build to them. Um, I, I actually really liked last week's one where they went and just attacked, um, was it Heath Slater and someone else? Slater was one of them, yeah. I think uh, the B team maybe, I'm not sure. No, it was, it was Heath Slater and... Um, the guy who does the conga when he comes out. No way, Jose. No way, Jose. I'm sure it was them too. Um, I, they're they're going to be big when they come back, definitely. I, and yes. I, I really hope that they, again, a bit like what we were saying earlier with Bray, just push them all the way because they, they can be a top-level team in uh, whatever brand they're on. Definitely. They they definitely have some um, you know momentum with them right now. And I think that, they, like you say, carry it through and see where it can take them. Mm. Uh, we'll go then and move on from Raw then. And overall, was it an up or a down for you? Or did you feel positive about this show? Did you feel negative? Uh, what were your takeaway thoughts? I mean, do you feel like from this show that it was a good show? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think there's a lot to come away from it with and a lot to keep you invested for the following week, which is what you're always looking for. Obviously, we've got a pay-per-view in between, but I think a lot of the things that happen in the pay-per-view, uh, a lot of the things that happen on Raw won't necessarily have an impact on what happens at Hell in the Cell. So um, it's almost like a start to a new chapter, really, for me. Would it be too soon to throw Rusev against Lashley at this pay-per-view, Hell in the Cell? Yes. In, in my opinion, yes. I think that needs more context to it. We know that she's with him now. We knew from last week that Rusev was on his own. Now we know where she is. It now needs a little bit of backstory as to why they're not together anymore and why she's with him. I completely agree with you 100%. I just have this horrible feeling WWE might need to fill some time up when it comes to mm. this paper. May just jump the gun, but um, let's hope they don't. But I agree with you. I think overall it was a good show and um, there was a lot of things to take from it and hopefully... A lot of momentum will be carried into next week and the week after, and we get a good show going forward. And I think Paul Heyman, for me, he's really good uh, for Raw. And I think that uh, we get a lot of more edgy content, and I think that that could be the direction that Raw might take. I feel that that was definitely a difference we see with Raw this week compared to what mm. we've seen in recent times. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about Wednesdays. Let's talk about NXT versus AEW. Um, I mean, two shows there. I mean, NXT was almost like a takeover. AEW was a breath of fresh air, and um, I think both shows were very competitive, really good head-to-heads, and I think the best part about it was that we had over 2 million viewers for both of these shows combined, which is, I think is a massive success for an arguably WWC brand and a company that was going on TV for the first time. Um, we'll take NXT first as we've been talking WWE. Uh, what were your thoughts overall of the show? We'll try not to um, you know, take as long as we did with Raw. Yeah, of course. Um, I, overall, I thought it was a really strong show, like you say, almost like a, a takeover level um, show. Um, the 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 surprise factor of having Finn Balor come back was incredible, you know, just to see him come out and, and stand up to Adam Cole. And then you think, wow, this, this is what could be happening here. Um, and then, you know, to keep on the same same path as that with um, Tommaso Ciampa coming back right at the end yeah. and just having that look where he was staring at the belt, I thought that was incredible, like just circling Adam Cole. And then to think of them three potentially having a, a triple threat, you add Johnny Gagano into that potentially, you know, the, it's ridiculous the, the level of talent that NXT has at the moment. When I compare that to the other, like the, what you class as the main shows, 
I think they're on 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 a level, even possibly better in some cases, on a technical level certainly. Um, the match, the title match, was I thought brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I thought the women's title match was really good. Um, it, it was just off the whole show. This is why I'm this is why I'm such a big fan of NXT really, because when when I see it like that, there's less promo work. It's more in the ring. And it's so believable, and the near falls, and everything like that. I just, for me, it was it was top notch. Yeah, for me, um, I mean, I don't want to give away uh, too much of my feelings of of best shows, worst shows, but this show was definitely right up there. I would mm. say that this week it was definitely a top contender for me. Like you said, that NXT Championship match for me was very back and forth with with Adam Cole and Matt Riddle. It was a great way to kick off the show. And um, you know, the, Triple H said on the kickoff, you know, we're gonna we're gonna hit our best and we're gonna hit it early. And you felt why is this the opening match? And then when we saw the return uh, of Finn Balor to NXT after Adam Cole retained, you know, that that I really generally got goosebumps and I really thought myself, this is brilliant because I mean, Finn Balor. I mean, we've spoke about this this week. He has really sort of never really had a clear path on the main roster. He's sort of felt lost a lot of the time, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like since he got injured after the Universal title, the first winner of that, um, he obviously had to relinquish it and then he was out for ages. Never reached the same height in the main roster. I feel like he would have gone probably on and and probably still been in that now had he not got injured. Um, Unfortunately for him, other people stepped up while he was out and then it was difficult for him to get back to that top level. I think going back to NXT is no downside for him because he sees what it's producing. It's now on a on a mainstream viewing. I think the the potential there for him now to be the top guy in NXT again because he's done it already really, just not on the same level of show I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's there for the taking really. Certainly is. I'm really happy that Balor's back because I think that. Um... The main roster, there was a lack of belief, I feel. I mean, whether it's Vince McMahon or whoever was in charge of of these sort of decisions, I just don't feel that that same belief was put into Finn Balor once he returned back from that injury. And I think being in NXT, he will have the opportunity to be the Finn Balor that we saw there before. I think there'll be some strong booking for him. I think that we'll see more of the Demon, personally, going forward. And I just, I don't know, I feel they they knew how to portray that Demon character and we saw it more often. I, I just feel that on the main roster, it was saved for like these very, very rare and special occasions, which is probably four times or five times over three years. For me, is too little. Really stands out as a character, and uh, really was a big thing of what made Finn Balor. So um, I really hope that um, now he's back in NXT, they're going to really push things for him and put him almost repackage him. It's almost like we've seen guys come back down to NXT previously, repackage themselves, get themselves back on song go back up to the main roster. And I think that that's a great thing here. I think that Finn Balor has a potential, even if he's only there for six months, I think this really has got the thing here to make Finn Balor back to that style that they put to the main roster to begin with. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely, yeah. And like I say, I think you'll see him in more lengthier matches. You'll see him in more technical, like non-stop matches. This is one of my biggest gripes with the main roster, and I've said to you before, is the the amount of lockups and holds that you get and things like that. I think you might only have a 15-minute match in NXT, but it's like spot after spot 
all the time. Like it's it's endless, and Finn is so suited to that. And we've seen it before. I mean, it's this is the thing. He's been there before. He's done it before. So going back there just means there's a new wave of talent for him to take on. Which, and and I'm sure some of them he's actually probably wrestled in in the Indies anyway. Um, so you know, I, it's really interesting. I think there's been rumours about a faction being made with Finn, which would be really cool. You know, I, I, what I like is that now he's got a chance now to almost. Um, kind of settle somewhere and you know grow with it because it's it's already you think what it was when he was there it was great then it's even better now yeah definitely there's a lot of great times ahead hopefully for Finn Balor and uh, mm. hopefully it's booked to you know for a great direction for him going mm. forward uh, as, a, as a faction I'd be very interested to see who would join him would you have any indications of people you might see there Ooh, not none at the moment. I mean, I was really hoping that he would have joined um, the club or whatever the the OC um, when he was on the main roster. I thought that was that was a given there, but obviously not to be. Um, but I mean, there's there's loads of options. I, I couldn't put a name on anyone at the moment. No, it's very hard to. I mean, uh, you know, like you say, I, I think the OC would have been would have been great. I mean, OC versus Undisputed Era as a, as a as a, a tag team match, I think it's a dream match for many. I think many would love to see that. Uh, trying to look into the NXT locker room, it's hard to really see. I mean, from NXT UK, I know he trained Jordan Devlin, so that could mm-hmm. be a potential guy he could bring up, but yeah. it's hard to see. I mean, would someone like Cameron Grimes fit the bill? I don't know. I was, yeah, I was thinking that. Um, but let, let's see where it goes. I, I just think NXT, you know, and, and to like I said, to add um, Tommaso Ciampa at the end, which, which you said, I think just made it so much more sense again why the matches were laid out the way they were. Yeah, very much so. Because, of course, it was uh, after the uh, Undisputed Era defended the tag team titles against the Street Profits. Made sense as well for the Street Profits to be in the main event. They've been featured in backstage segments on Raw week after week after week. So more people have got to see them and got used to them. And it's almost like, well, we'll wait to watch to see the Street Profits rather than maybe they might wait to see and watch Matt Riddle at this stage. You don't know. So... They might have deemed it. And also, it might have been a slight dig at AEW. I don't know. But, you know, AEW's you know, motto is to, like, say tag team wrestling is, is majorly important. So how fun is it on their first head's head that actually WWE's NXT put the tag team championship as the main event? I don't know. It just could be a slight thing that I, I, maybe I've seen or, you know, could be thinking too far ahead of myself. But um, it was interesting. They defended the belts. And, of course, you had the whole undisputed era in the ring. Adam Cole comes out, holds the belt up, and then that's when we see Champa's music hits and comes and, like you see, the circle around there. And now we can, we can, you know, fantasize about war games of what's going to happen. Is it going to be the Undisputed Era? Are they all going to be defending championships instead? Is Adam Cole going to have to face Balor and Champa? Time will tell, but I think now we are starting to see those seeds planted for that war games pay-per-view, which will be taking place, obviously, in November. So I expect over the next week or two, we're going to get a clear indication of where... NXT will be going going forward. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, it'd be interesting to see what what they do with it because Matt Riddle now he's obviously out of the title picture after losing. You'd, you'd assume with the other two coming in, um, where where does that put him now? Because I thought he'd done really well to get his title opportunity and get up to the top of the ladder as such. Um, be interesting to see. Yeah, it would indeed. Yeah, I mean, of course. We mentioned the, the women's championship match you mentioned. There was a good mm. match. I did it with Shayna Baszler. I managed to 
retain her championship over Candice LeRae. Io Shirai had a good match with uh, Mia Yim, I thought, as well. Maybe slightly too long this match went on, but I do think it was a good match overall. And I just Io with that moonsault is absolutely incredible. A great way to finish. How do you see them going to book the women's championship match? Because I feel at War Games, you have a lengthy War Games match. We probably won't get as many women's matches. They're two heels and probably arguably the two that should be facing each other. Rhea Ripley has been someone that's been around, in and around that area. Could mm. we see like, all these thrown in one match together at this point? Potentially. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing that. They've done it before where you've had the, um, kind of, I think you had a fatal four-way not too long ago um, for, the, for the title. So I, I think if you add them into that with Shayna Baszler, um, yeah, I think that could, that could be money on that. Certainly, indeed. There was also wins in the show for Johnny Gargano and also Pete Dunne as well there. It was very nice to see like an NXT UK match actually really involved because Pete Dunne, of course, beat a UK superstar Danny Birch as well. Um, I did particularly enjoy that match, seeing the, the, the British sort of strong style taking over there for, mm. for a, a, a brief moment on the card there. But um, that's an NXT look and stuff with it being on the USA Network, being two hours now. Um, do you feel that the show is benefiting being two hours long so far? Yeah, definitely. I think it's getting more exposure to um, to a lot of the guys who are probably on the undercard um, that we haven't seen as much have, as. And you might um, see them once in a blue moon, really, on um, previous shows when it was taped. I think it can only be good to build. You know, you mentioned Cameron Grimes there. I think he's he's going to be great in NXT. I think they're building him. And and that's what one thing you mentioned there. You you mentioned Pete Dunne had a match. You mentioned Johnny Gargano had a match, which weren't the main matches of the night. But it seems like even the the kind of undercard to the main event or the, the semi-main event is, is really strong as well. And I think that's really positive to have a two-hour show where you're not... You're not sitting there just waiting for the... And I, I, I'll be honest with you, with AEW, I found when I first started watching it, I was just waiting for the main the main matches rather than having any real interest in a lot of the, the undercard. Um, I'm sure that will change over time as you get used to seeing certain superstars, and it's the same with NXT. Um, yeah. But I guess we've kind of followed NXT for quite some time now, and now you're getting to see a lot of these up-and-coming talents that are potentials for, for the future now. Well, I mean, we had this discussion ourselves when we were talking about the two shows and not don't want to try and compare the shows too much in one way because obviously they both are different representations of shows. So, I mean, they're going to have their differences. But, I mean, we look at it then, you know, NXT is in front of, um, you know, perhaps a smaller audience. Um, AEW looked a lot more mainstream if you compare the two shows because, of course, it was such big arena. I think mean, mm. it was the Capitol Arena. It was like 14,000 there. A sellout, perhaps maybe, maybe a few of the top seats, but you didn't really see that so much on camera. And um, so from, from that standpoint, AEW looked like the real deal, looked more mainstream of those two shows. But um, when you look at NXT and you mentioned there that you were perhaps more invested in, and look more on when it comes to AEW waiting for the main matches. NXT's had a couple of uh, maybe a couple of weeks head start on the on the two hour yeah. shows. But it's also had years of, of build of where we've got to know these superstars week in, week out. AEW, perhaps we are still familiarizing ourselves with some of these talents. It's not. They're not as household names yet. And although yeah. they've had a couple of people where you turn around and said, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I like this guy, Luchasaurus and, and the Jungle Express, you still don't know too much of who they're wrestling and who they're against and who is Orange Cassidy. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of questions that need to be asked with 
different superstars throughout that roster. And over time, we might turn around and say, do you know what? We need to see what's going to be happening with, you know, with Jimmy Havoc. We need to know what he's going to be next part he's going to be. But at the moment, you don't really feel that way. You're kind of just yeah. seeing how it's going to play out. But um, we go on to Dynamite, and literally, I feel like it was Dynamite. I remember at the time watching it, um, I had some a bit of love and a bit of hate. For me, it, I was hoping that we were going to get this real... Um, in your face kind of thing of we are different and really a standout different show. But we didn't really get as much of that in my opinion. But what I would say is, is that the show they put on was good. It was a very good show. Every match had some importance felt of length. Um, you, everything had a, a distinct job in throughout the night that you could tell with everything they were going through, whether it was Cody and Sammy Guevara, you were making Sammy look really good against Cody, who Cody is a household name, and they went for 10, 12 minutes in the ring. You had a job of putting MJF over. He went over against the, you know, and the beautiful part about those first two matches as well was uh, something which I'm going to go back to now was commentary, was that the guys had a lot of input about these superstars in commentary. They had a backstory, something about Sikabara. They had something about the guy who can't, the name escapes me at the moment, but who, who lost to MJF, who had uh, an affiliation with the Young Bucks. They had this, you know, back, background to a lot of these characters. And that was something that I actually felt made AEW stand out this week. It was something different to anything you saw in WWE. Everything had a purpose and everything felt like that it was fixed to a certain direction. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And I, and one going back to commentary again, bringing in Tony Schiavone, who, who used to be on WCW, am I, am I right? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a masterstroke from uh, AEW because him and I think the, the problem that they were having a little bit is the commentary didn't quite flow right previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with JR, he's, he's old school. Um, I felt his commentary... Every time I heard him when he came back for like specials on WWE, it just he seemed a bit off the pace. Um, and now I think having someone like Tony on there with him and Excalibur, there's a nice blend there now. I think that sounds so much better. Yeah, I do. I actually think JR had his best performance in a long time because I actually think the problem is, is that JR doesn't uh, felt more comfortable with the people he was working with. I think he mm. knows... He's had many years of work with Tony Schiavone. And I mean, they go back to the 80s working mm. with NWA. I've been doing watching a lot of that recently on the WWE Network, even through to the early 90s. They had worked till, I think, 1993, where Jim Ross then went to, to WWF at the time. Um, and Tony Schiavone kept on. But a lot of experience with those two guys. They they know the old school wrestling. They know how it should be conveyed and put over. And you've got Escalibur there. And like you say, it's just a nice blend between the three of them. And they really made this show sound really good from uh, from a, a commentary booth standpoint. And like you say, yeah. big improvement on what they've done on previous AEW shows. And I think this is the team that has to carry on going forward. I really, really felt that it was good. Um, we have to talk about um, through the card then, because uh, we've said about the, I mean, the look as well, that we should do the look actually before we do the card of the, the arena. You're a big fan of it, aren't you, James? Mm. Yeah, I really like the entrance ramp. I think having the two separate kind of um, sides of, of entrance is, is such a clever idea and one I'm surprised hasn't happened sooner, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I would love to, I would 
would have thought it'd be saying would it be a no-brainer back in the day but um you know we have it now and i do think it's a very clever way to do things and um there a lot of things happen in the card then on this show as well we'll try and take some of the the, the main stuff that's happened on this show uh we mentioned the cody versus sammy Guevara. uh 10 minute match cody eventually went over and uh, we see chris jericho attack Cody, um, the only thing was a minor thing for me on the negative of this is that a lot of the attack happened with a splitting spleen advert break. Um, you'd have thought this is a main, excuse me, a major thing happening on this mm. show, and you are doing it here without hearing that we said that the commentary made everything seem so important. We didn't get the sound of Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, or Excalibur on this attack, and it's only when we come back that we got a little bit of their thought about what had happened, but. I mean, we'd seen code breakers, we'd seen, uh, the, you know, the championship belt, but we'd seen it in a small screen. And it just made me feel like it wasn't as important as it was in a small screen. And, and am I wrong to feel that way? No, I think you're right. I think the timing was off and there's there's links to something we'll talk about on SmackDown afterwards, very similar. But I, you, I think when you've got them big moments in events, um, they, they're the ones that need to be seen, aren't they? They are indeed. I think they're more important to see than, than obviously. I know that it's good to advertise a new movie, to have people on your side. But I just felt that segment for me, that that, that didn't add much to the show in my personal yeah. humble opinion. And um, all right, it might be a good excuse to have private party take on Jack Evans and Angelico in, in time. But I, I'm not so invested. I don't care at this point. Mm. I, I'd rather seen the beatdown with full commentary with Jericho and Cody, I think would have made a lot more sense to have had that publicly aired. Uh, but mm. it's a very minor critique on, on what I think was a, a pretty decent show. Um, I do love SCU. I think they're fantastic on the mic. Great to see them have a brawl with Lucha Brothers. I am invested in seeing that, even though they're nowhere near each other in the tag team tournament brackets. Uh, they have to get to the final. Maybe we've got a, a little... A little I'd love to see those teams go, go at it. Would you be a fan of seeing SCU against the Lucha Brothers? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think both teams are strong in their own ways. And um, yeah, <laughs> bring that on. Yeah, definitely indeed. MJF, like I said, he he went over very strong. Um, I do think his promo was one of the weakest, though. I've heard him do in AEW. I felt he's done a lot more stronger promos, but maybe he wanted to keep it maybe less swearing on the show. I don't know. But um, he is still, though, an absolute genius, and he's a heel that most people want to be. I do think in time we are just gonna we are scratching the surface. It's going to get better and better with MJF. Would you agree? Hundred percent. He's he's got talent literally running through his veins. I think. I think he's just he's great on the mic, like unbelievably good on the mic, and really good in the ring. Um, so yeah, give it time, and I think he'll he can go wherever he wants to go. Basically. Yeah, I'm going to say three words. Future AEW champion. Um, mm. That's why he will be. Uh, definitely, I think WWE at one point ruled that they let slip through the radar and was part of AEW. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, we go on, we go on to Hangman Page and Pack. I mean, that was that was a, a decent match. I enjoyed what these two had to offer in the ring. Um, was you surprised that Pack went over um, as the victor here? Not not so much. I think after him winning um, at the last pay-per-view when he made his debut on AEW, I felt, I felt he had to remain strong off of that. Um, and he is he, another one, like we're saying. He's, he's a talent that WWE are probably regretting letting go uh, or losing, should I say. Um, so uh, maybe against Hangman Page is a little bit... Um, 
is a little bit more of a surprise, but I still see him being built up strong. It, it won't take him long before he's in, in the title picture, I don't think. No, definitely not. Maybe I'm nitpicking here, but I just felt because of the fact we have so many heels, and this is a very heel-heavy show, um, if Jericho is to overcome Cody going forward, mm. uh, we are lacking the, the, the challenges here. And I just felt maybe it was a, a good opportunity as well because Pac is well-known um, on you know, a lot of television screens for his time as Neville in WWE. I thought maybe on this first show when so many people were tuning in, would have been a great time for the Hangman page to actually to go over here because you're mm. building star, elevating him on the TV. But, I mean, it's nitpicking. These are two of the big stars in AEW. It's not really hard for either to take a loss, really. And, of course, uh, during and as time builds on, uh, we know that we're going to see future stars being being made in AEW because they, they're, they're, doing the, they're doing the job of, you know, bringing people up. And I think that... Mm. Um, they will continue to do so a number of six to 12 months from now. Um, elsewhere in the show, I'm trying to think of someone where the, the women's champion crowned uh, Rio against Nina yeah. Rose uh, and Rio picking up the victory. Uh, was this a surprise to you guys? It was uh, in Nina Rose's hometown. Oh, it was a big surprise to me. I thought Nina Rose looks like the way she ended that by just destroying people. That's what I expected of her in the ring during the match as well. I felt that there was a bit of an underdog story going on there um, with Riho, but I mean, it was it was a it was a solid match for me um, for for a main title match for the first women's champion in their their company. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see in a division that's not as strong as their you know as WWE or NXT for that matter. Um, I think uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah, definitely. Unpopular opinion, but I think even Impact Wrestling has a stronger women's division at present than uh, mm. the AEW. So, and and uh, also, the, also, sorry, just to um, add to that, the interesting that Kenny Omega was the person who kind of almost kind of stopped her from going further on attacks and things like that. So, you know, reason for that, I don't know. Uh, backstory for that, Riho is who Kenny Omega would have mixed tag team matches with. He would not tag with anyone else in that scenario so that's right. why but i do think still it's a bit of a surprise they could have perhaps built a, a, a new program with a with another female wrestler maybe Britt baker who was on commentary could have come and made the save there although i know i think she's gonna have a, a program of b Priestley going forward but they've got other women that are backstage that could have perhaps made the save here ali is another one that could have been yeah. used here it would have been a great chance to make uh, someone debut if they had anyone in mind but um you know that They've gone with it. But storytelling is what they've done here. We could have a mixed tag team match going forward. I mean, we were open for that. I think it'd be quite cool to see. I, we did actually mention the fact as well, the the, the low blow that got packed that victory. I suppose that's a, a reason as well, maybe why that loss for Hangman Page wasn't so bad. Um, but we go into the main event and we've got the Elite, of course, with their own theme music now of being the Elite, which was, was really cool to see there. Uh, Kenny Mega, the Young Bucks, they were taking on uh, Chris Jericho and his um, tag team partners of Santana and Ortiz. I'm so happy they're in AEW. Um, this was a really cool match. Um, we did see uh, John Moxie, though, come out and attack Kenny Omega, and there was no disqualification given. I found that a bit weird, um, and it sort of turned into a handicap match. Really cool spot, though, backstage. They went to a VIP area, John Moxie and Kenny Omega, and we actually saw uh, the DDT go through a glass table, which looked absolutely brutal, um, and I really liked that spot. It was a really cool spot mm. put together. Uh, it looked like it hurt everybody. Um, and we go back into the match itself. Then the Young Bucks, of course, couldn't overcome the odds. A good underdog telling story again, but this time the heels come on top. 
Um, we see the Judas effect work once again. Maybe seems a weak finisher by many, but uh, hell, it's picking up Vich's Chris Jericho, so maybe we can't argue at this point. But um, we see here, um, it was it was it was a good match on the whole. This one, but I, I do want to get your thoughts on it. I mean, first up, particularly why there was no disqualification given um, during that attack on Kenny Omega in the six-man tag. Mm, yeah, that, that was surprising because um, there was no mention of it being a no DQ or anything like that. So. I think everyone questioned that. Um, and sometimes, even in WWE, sometimes I'll I'll hear the commentators say, oh, there's no submissions or rope, rope breaks don't count. And I'll think, why not? In certain matches, you know, if it's a triple threat or something like that. I can't, can't remember the, um, the one I was watching where I questioned it. But yeah, I, I thought on the whole, the match was really, really strong. But it, once you had the interference or interferences... Um, that's when it all kind of came to life again because it was a it, again it was a solid match for me um, a, a bit like the whole card to be honest on AEWs as, as an open night I thought it was solid um, but obviously what what happened at the end um, was what made it kind of impactful. Yes, very much indeed. I mean I thought it was a very great tag team match regardless of the no DQ given. Um, I, I think it was probably the match of the night, personally, in my opinion. That mm-hmm. six-man tag team match, I think that all uh, play their roles really well. But like you say, uh, we see uh, the attack continue after the bell uh, had been given. Cody comes out to try and make the save. Uh, and we see Sammy Guevara come out to, to give the heels more of a number. Um, then we see Dustin come out as well to try and help once again. But then we see, um, Jack, what's that? It's Jack Swagger, but uh, his name is Jake Jack Hager. Jake Hager. Jake Hager. Jake Hager. Jake Hager. Jake Hager. Um, and uh, yeah, he he come in and, and made the difference. And uh, we've got our first faction, or you know, heel faction in AEW of of their with their, these guys together as a five piece. I do kind of feel like they don't go together, but I'm gonna wait and see what the story is that brings these guys together because the story is what does it. I have faith that AEW have that story. Um, but would you did you think that this was um, a great way to bring uh, Jake Hager in at the end of the show? Uh, I mean, if there's got to be a long build to, oh, I say a long build. There's got to be now a build and a backstory to it, a bit like a lot of the things we've talked about um, on this show. I, I I said to you the other day, um, the funny thing about that is that AEW have been really good at picking up wrestlers from WWE that WWE probably wanted to keep, i.e., Dean Ambrose, Pack, although he'd already left WWE, um, and I'm sure there's there's a couple more. Um, Chris Jericho being one. Um, Jack Swagger in WWE was one that WWE could afford to lose. Yeah. Um, and it feels very much like a uh, like an old TNA or Impact situation where they used to go and get anyone who left WWE and then put them straight at the top of the card. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with him on AEW, but if they do... I feel like that's a little bit kind of going the way that they said they weren't going to go. Because for me, I, I, although he was a he was a world title holder in uh, WWE, I never thought of him as a top star. Um, now he's gone away and he's doing his Bellator stuff. I mean, credit to him. He hasn't actually. I've followed his Bellator stuff, and and I've got a friend who also does. He hasn't actually fought anyone of real note yet. Like he, he's fought big, big guys who look like you know 
they probably used to fight 10 years ago and they've let themselves go and want another paycheck, which is yeah. probably a lot easier for him. And he has got an amateur background, which obviously helps in comparison to someone like CM Punk. Um, I just think it's it's going to be interesting where they place him. Yeah, very much so. I mean, if he's like, I mean, this is an old uh, WWE kind of reference here, but if it was like the, the diesel to Shawn Michaels back in the mm. early 90s, that kind of role I, I kind of think is a good role because he's the muscle, he's the backup, he's the heavy. But like you say, if he becomes the guy, I don't think that's right at this stage of the game. And like you say, it does go against what is represented here. I mean, it's yeah. almost... It's almost like Austin Aries leaving um, after he can't break through uh, the Cruiserweight division onto the main roster to come back to Impact, win the World Championship on night one. Sorry, mm. Austin. Um, it doesn't help the company at all in any, any way, shape or form. Um, and it has been done many times in the past. But um, I, I, I have faith that AEW are going to have a, a story behind this. And I, I'm the thing with this as well is, and we'll go more into these guys that are doing... Um, outside activities where they're undefeated or not been beaten they have to look strong in AEW and he has to look strong in AEW he have to look strong in wrestling they can't go in and then you know lose because then they've lost their mystique of when they go yeah. and it's, yeah but the guy lost in wrestling and you know in case we we know the story that's predetermined and scripted and the rest of it but these guys don't come in really to lose so it'd be interesting to see how that career is going to work for him uh, as he goes through into AEW. But um, as an overall show, I thought it was really good. Um, I think there's a lot to build on. And uh, it clearly won in the ratings for it destroyed NXT. Almost, I think almost double the numbers. So um, power to AEW. Do you think that will come forward? Well, that, that's the key, isn't it? I mean, you can have a great debut show. Um, and what I will say is one of, the, one of the big things for me was the crowd, which, which you mentioned was 14,000 or something like that. But the noise from the crowd was really hot. I mean, like incredibly loud through your TV or, or your computer, whatever you're watching it on. Um, but like you say, that's the same sort of capacity as what SmackDown had um last night so in comparison to nxt you know nxt is still at, at the same arena every week um at full sale so you know it's it's not the same size i, I don't know what the capacity is there probably about eight maybe well, in nxt yeah i don't know I'm what the capacity sure. is there. It's, it's really not a big crowd i mean it's no. probably looking like a thousand i wouldn't say it'd be any more than that all oh, right right there you go so i mean but but then there's something about that that i really like about nxt i, I like that it's kind of close-knit feel and kind of you know if you were there it'd be like going down to your local uh local um like i go to gigs or whatever in in norfolk in the uk and i'll see big bands but i'll see them like and be in a, a crowd of 200 500 and and you're a lot closer and it feels a lot more i don't know personal whereas if i'm in a big arena i've been to the o2 and seen raw or smackdown there and you're just up in the gods and you know they look like ants and i'm sure it's even worse than that when you go to a mania um but but credit to AEW, just getting back on topic that they they kicked off really well um and now it's about keeping it consistent and building stories and you know because it's all building blocks now for them definitely i mean the the sky is the limit i mean perhaps maybe if they're continuing this road they'll be able to have their own wrestlemania style events of their own where they're selling out these big you know football stadiums and stuff mm. they, they, there is something like that in their future because they've done things on a very quick momentum and if they continue with that momentum 
there's no reason why they can't become bigger because, mm. I mean, they've probably pulled in people that are, you know, I don't want to say anti-WWE, but they are so desperate to see this succeed that they will watch this over anything, support this over everything. Yeah. I can see on Twitter that there's a, it's been non-stop with AEW since Dynamite this week. And the fact that they did win over NXT has been made very vocal by the AEW community. Um, they're, they're very pleased and very, very proud of it and want to continue, continue to see it build. For those people who want to see wrestling and want to see that succeed, those people are watching as well. But I do think that people that came away from wrestling will be brought in back by AEW because I think that they are putting something good out there for everybody. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, if they can continue the momentum. And I think it's all going to come down to those storylines because um, if the storylines are good, um, and they can, can provide something different to what WWE has been providing, especially of recent. I believe that AEW will be here to stay, and I think it will be able to maintain and maybe even build on those numbers, which I think will be a big, big talking point going forward if they can do that. Um, mm -hmm. Just you mentioned one thing there about the intimacy there of in NXT, and I really love that as well. There has been rumours this week that WWE could be looking to move NXT away from full sound already after three weeks of, of recordings of doing that live there. I mean, when you see the Street Profits come out and they're in the crowd and everyone's raising those cups up in the air and it feels very special, like, you can't get that the same feeling like you do there. Like you say, when it's, when it's really intimate and personal like that, those fans really must feel close with the superstars like that. And a lot of them people, I think, probably go to a lot of them shows all the time. We see the NXT guy that's always in the front row a lot of the time. I don't think he was there this week. He may have been AEW, in fact, but uh, I've seen him on AEW as well. But... Um, you know, those those fans are, are so passionate about that and are, are really supportive. And it does really feel like you say that you're going to watch your, a gig of, of, a, of something mainstream, but they're so personal. And I think that's very yeah. special. Really yeah, is. I agree, mate. I agree. And I think um, I, I get the idea of taking it on the road or, or going to different venues just to kind of open other people's eyes to it and give opportunity for others to, to see it. Um I wonder if that will take a little bit of the magic away from uh, NXT. They have their pay-per-views that they do um, around the US. Um, so for the time being, I'd, I wouldn't try to expand too much. I wouldn't, you know, this has been growing for years, so I don't think it would hurt to do it too much, but just steady approach. Definitely. I mean, this this is uh, the C brand after all, like we said. I mean, it's not against Raw or SmackDown. I mean, Raw got better ratings than AEW, and so did SmackDown. We have to point that out. I mean, Raw, I think, pulled something like 2.4 or something like that, 2.3, and that that was a, a, as many viewership as it was for both NXT and AEW. So, I mean, there there is like, um, you know... There's still a, a big gap, yeah. Still a gap to go. I mean, of course, if it went head-to-head, -head, who knows? That could be very different then. But um, at this particular moment, I mean, I don't think NXT needs to hit any panic buttons. I think they're, they're doing a great thing, and they can got all the reason to build as well. Yeah. Um, as a preference, James, uh, just because of the fact it was head-to-head, -head, yeah. uh, what's your favourite show of those two? Mine was still NXT. I think I've, I'm I'm a bigger fan of NXT than I am of the main roster of Raw SmackDown. So for me, it would have taken a lot for AEW to... But but again, don't get me wrong, I thought it was very strong, but it was solid for, for a first um, live weekly show. Um, but for me, NXT is still setting the bar on that for me totally i mean look at the end of the day i mean AEW put a great show we're putting two top shows against each other so yeah. as if around saying one was bad if we're picking the other yeah but, yeah, I yeah mean, definitely 
thumbs down are coming from the AEW fans. I know that right now, but literally for me, NXT, you, it was a it was a takeover worthy episode here. Mm. Um, for me, you're not beating a takeover. That's just how it is. Um, so yeah, for me, that is the scenario with that. But um, if we were going to go with, I put a Twitter poll out there. AEW did beat NXT. It was fifty, I believe fifty two. Fifty two, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was very close. It was very, very close run. But um, for me, uh, I, I am on the side of NXT for this week. But I'm sure as weeks go by, it's going to go back and forth. Um, mm. And I'm seeing yeah. how the Wednesday Night War is going to play out. It's, it's like a, it's like we're we're teenagers again. It really does. But I'm not giving the age away. Um, we're going to Friday Night Smackdown then. And uh, yeah, a, a new stage. Um, and I, it almost was almost like the the first Smackdown with with those rings. Mm. Uh, but the side bit there a uh, really cool looking stage i wanted the fist but do you know what? i don't need it that was really good i love the look of that set was you a fan of it yeah massive fan of it i think it looks again you need to have that difference between the two i don't think there was too much of a difference between the previous raw and smackdown sets so this really um separates them on that respect yeah it really does um i for me personally I, this is my favorite set of all the sets i, mm. I really this one um the way with the pyro went off with it as well on the sides it just it fit together very nice. It felt like that a lot of thought had been put into this. And rumours had suggested, especially on Ringside News, that Fox have got a lot more knowledge about WWE than the USA Network. Perhaps you wouldn't have believed that if you'd seen the blue carpet. I mean, uh, uh, Mojo Riley was was pronounced as Sami Zayn, and that was not even spelt correctly. I believe <laughs> I believe there was a botch on Alexa Bliss's name as well. So, um, yeah, maybe not everybody at Fox does, but I believe Fox has got a vested interest more apparently according to ringsidenews.com than uh, the USA Network. But um, the show I thought was very good. I thought Goldman was pay-per-view quality. Uh, we had, of course, Michael Cole and Corey Graves, um, just a two-man commentary team. Um, I felt that it flowed a lot nicer. Mm, yeah, Nothing. definitely. No, I, th- I think taking it back to a two-man team, which we haven't done for God knows how long, um, just, just made it less um, clunky. And, you know, you didn't have people talking over each other and you sometimes find that two of them get into a little bit of a squabble and you're almost taking the attention away from the match and what's going on in the ring. And I felt this kept, it, it felt a bit old school, to be honest with you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I felt that uh, if you give this time, I think even people might be more on board of Michael Cole commentating going forward. Mm. I mean, the we got one of his more stronger performances um, yeah. this week for a long time, I felt. Corey Grace as well did a great job also. Um, I was surprised The Rock didn't kick off the show immediately with his music, but uh, we did have the man in the ring briefly, Baron Corbin then, of course, coming, of course, which then led to The Rock coming out. We knew Baron Corbin was going to be the full guy. Um, for me, there was some cringy, cringy lines in this, but I do think that there was a, a lot here that put Becky over. Um, I think that The Rock always, you know, he's the best guy for me on the mic of all time. I think it was absolutely mm. incredible. Baron Corbin played his role with the heel very well as well. Yeah. Um, I, my favourite part of the whole thing, um, just, to, just to quote a little bit, had to be the moment where The Rock had said, you know, Baron Corbin, yeah, you won the King of the Ring, but, you know, you come out there with a, you don't have to dress like a king. I mean, Becky Lynch is the man. You don't see her coming out with testicles. And Becky Lynch to come straight in and go, and if I did, they'd be bigger than yours. I just thought... Great, brilliant. It was uh, definitely my favourite line on WWE TV used for a long time. Um, definitely got a good reaction. Um, what were your thoughts with this uh, this first opening segment? Well, just to follow on from that, what was even better was Baron Corbin's next line, which was that my my testicles are perfectly adequate or something like that, which I thought, yeah. which I thought was even even better. 
Um, yeah, I mean, with The Rock. I mean, it's just amazing. When you hear him come out and he starts talking, it's one of my big gripes that I had, certainly with Baron Corbin in the past, was that he sounded very robotic and scripted. Like, you could almost hear him re reading the lines in his head. The Rock is just seamless. It's just the flow and, you know, he's charismatic and it's why he's probably one of the best ever, isn't it? Yeah, definitely indeed. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, he's literally one of the best of all time and he brings a lot of eyes to the prize. I'm pretty sure, I mean, I've heard a lot of ticket sales went up, uh, even ticket prices went up when The Rock was announced he was going to be on SmackDown this week, which is why they pre-announced it. It was a great move, in my opinion, to pre-announce mm. that rather than just sharp unexpectedly. Okay, there was no phone call to CM Punk, but I mean, the rumours are that that could be a done deal with WWE and CM Punk for WWE backstage anyway. So we may not have to wait too long to have a, a CM Punk appearance or something that could be WWE related going forward. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah. I, I thought it was really good. We got a tag team match. Uh, the four horsewomen, of course, involved there. We had uh, Becky and Charlotte against Sasha and Bailey. Charlotte picking over the victory over Bailey, which I thought would happen beforehand. It sets up a match for these two at the Hell in a Cell. Of course, it keeps Becky as well with a bit of momentum over Sasha Banks going into the pay per view. Um, I think that um, all in all, this this was straightforward and, and, and well booked. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have all four of them involved together again in matches, which which is what everyone wanted when they all came up anyway. So, um, and, and there's a different aspect to it with Bailey being a heel as well, although she's, she's quite a, I don't know, a, a strange heel in a way, because she still comes out with the inflatable um, tube men and things like that. So it's, um, it's a bit bizarre really, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a good match. Yeah. I'm interested in her direction when we get to the draft, where that will be afterwards mm. as well. She retains at Sunday. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, one thing as well you mentioned before about a lot of matches feeling quite important because big superstars win smaller segments of the show. We had a lot of big pay-per-view style matches here. I mean, the next match was Seth Rollins, the Universal Champion, against Shinsuke Nakamura. Twitter went on fire when this was announced, like, for seconds before it was going to happen. And we've got The Fiend, um, you know, with a Firefly Funhouse and, and attacking Seth Rollins again. And this happened rather than every main event segment that we had it on Raw. This was like the third or fourth segment on SmackDown. It was somewhere smack bang in the middle to the important segments of arguably the important segments of the show. So, I mean, you look at that and say, well, this is a big deal because it's happening here in an area of the show where normally I would have a match where I could go and make a sandwich or not really care. This 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 was filled in everywhere. And um, I, I thought that this really added to the show. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, it, you had to find a way of putting him in at some point. Seth was never going to be the main event, was he, with what else was on the card? To be honest, I wasn't even expecting Seth to be on the card, but he was. And I guess for an opening night on Fox, um, they wanted all the all the big guns there. And um, they certainly delivered. Certainly did. Well, there's a lot of people in the crowd as well. We saw the likes of Kurt Angle in the crowd. We saw uh, Mick Foley in the crowd. We saw Tyson Fury, uh, undefeated boxer as well. was made sure that was put in print underneath his name as well, undefeated. Uh, of course, he's only had a draw, hasn't he, with, uh, with Deontay Wilder. But, um, you know, it's, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of big names there involved. Marshmallow, the new 24-7 champion. Then, of course, he lost it later in the evening to Carmella once again. But um, what were your thoughts as Marshmallow as a 24-7 champion? I suppose he was happier. Well, <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was just waiting for um, him to take his, his um, you know, mask off and then there'd be a wrestler of sorts maybe it'd be you know i don't know ec3 or something like that 
but um, wasn't to be. Um, I did like um, R-Truth referring to Carmella as Marshmella is the new 48-7 champ. I thought that was quite a good line. Yeah, very much indeed. Yeah, definitely. Um, and remember, they're just friends. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to move on anyway. More, no more Marshmallow songs from me. Um, yeah, we had our next match, I believe, was the ladder match, would I be mistaken? Yes, that did come earlier than I was expecting. I thought that would have been the uh, main event. Yeah, so, um, yeah, um, you said you wanted to talk a little bit about this match to me before we come on, because you said earlier on about uh, weird timings with, mm. with advertisements. Yeah, well, again, just really good match. I thought the the story that they both told was really well. I, I felt like if it had been on a pay-per-view, it would have gone on a lot longer, probably another 10 minutes at least. And, you know, I'd, that wouldn't have gone amiss in a pay-per-view. But I guess Shane is the one in wrestling in it, so he's, he's not um, known for his uh, durability. But, yeah, the, the bit that kind of threw me off a little bit was um, I reached a point where Shane done an elbow drop off the top rope onto KO, who was on the announcer's table, went mm. through him, and then they were both laid out on the floor outside the ring, went to an ad break, came back, and KO was now at the top of the ropes, and then done a frog splash through Shane, who was perched on a ladder between the ring and the um, the barriers. And, and I was just like, it, it annoyed me. One, there was no kind of, it, there wasn't like a mini screen section where you could see what was happening during the ad break. Um, and you just went straight from KO being out and, and Shane to some extent to mm. KO pretty much finishing up the match then. Yeah, definitely. Um, he, he did have a chunk missing out in the middle, which I suppose for storytelling or storytellers that love that in the wrestling, it did kind of have a bit of a gaping hole in there for us. Mm. But the, the crowd were loving it in the arena. I, must admit, I really enjoyed this match. I thought this was uh, the match of the night for me. Um, I, I really enjoyed the, the spots they did. They did go all out. And it felt like a lot of the superstars when they had big spots. They, they made sure they got them in on this show. I mean, Shane yeah. Rizel drop. You almost coast to coast is, a, is always a guarantee as well with yeah. Shane McMahon. The, you know, a frog splash for the outside of St. Kevin Owens does on big special occasions. We saw that for the ladder. Um, Roman Reigns, even in, later in the evening, jumps over the top rope. I mean, it's something that usually you get from Roman on big occasions and they made sure they threw them all in. It's all kind of broke in and felt important on this show. But I think the most pleasing part here with this other match is that Shane McMahon, of course, lost. He's off WWE TV for now. Um, and it's the close of this storyline. Um, I think that we should hopefully get some, some positive vibes from SmackDown going forward, not stuck with so much McMahon, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see what they do with KO now. Um, I'd like to see him go into a, a, a title picture now with, if, if it's with Brock, which we'll come to, um, that'd be quite interesting. That certainly would indeed. Uh, we mentioned uh, not so much McMahon's, but of course, Vince and Stephanie were at the very beginning of SmackDown. Uh, do you think they gave that an importance? I thought it was a nice touch to have them involved and and literally just to say it's the start of a new era, basically. Um, and, you know, minimal. I'm happy with that. Yeah, minimal sometimes. Uh, less is more, as they say. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it definitely did its, uh, its job there. We had a lumberjack match. Again, it really felt very um, gimmick-esque. I mean, the last time I saw so many gimmick matches on a weekly television program, I think it was on GM mode on the PlayStation. Um, but uh, it was good to see. I mean, 20 superstars surrounding the ring. Maybe a bit disappointed the likes of Ali, Andrade, uh, Ricochet were involved in, in, as Lumberjacks. But, I mean, it seemed quite clear to want to get as many people on the show as possible. Yeah. Daniel Bryan was on commentary. Harper got involved. Uh, Roman Reigns picked up the victory over Roman here in this Lumberjack match. Um, does this um, make you feel a little bit less with Roman going into the pay-per-view? Or um, 
does this kind of give a vibe with the pay-per-view that maybe the heels might be coming out on top? Well, I've said to you previously, I don't think on the show, that I still think there's another twist coming this, especially from Daniel Bryan's side. So the fact that Roman won, um, like we've said before, usually that leads to you thinking it's going to go the other way on the pay-per-view. And it would not surprise me if Bryan is still kind of involved um, with Roman. Even though the, he's had beatdowns. I mean, we've seen that before where people have had beatdowns and it was all just a big um, kind of scam or a big a big um twist at the end so i i'm i just can't help but think this is where it's going yeah i i kind of have a similar vibe i agree with you i think that there's a there's a good possibility for that for this sunday and um mm. it will be very intriguing if they do uh fulfill that going forward but mm. um but yeah i thought other than that it was it was it was a fun way to to you know everything felt important on smackdown which is why i quite like smackdown this week and the other thing that i felt a bit weird was was the throw again throw together eight man tag team match uh, we only got Braun Strowman's music. It was Braun Strowman, I believe, The Miz and Heavy Machinery. Uh, this is how much I'm not 100% sure because it was it was that short, this match yeah. as well. Uh, where the Raw Tag Team Champions, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, AJ Styles was in this match. And um, I was the other one. Was it? it was Randy Orton, wasn't it? Yes, it was Randy Orton, yeah. Yeah, so very, very interesting. I mean, of course, as well, Randy Orton just been made captain of the team flair. Uh, you think it would have mm. been Baron Corbin, but now he's in a throwaway acting, maybe he's scouted for new talent, maybe not very mm. hard because this team didn't succeed. Yeah. So probably taking any of these guys on. But um, of course, the story from this, not the fact that um, Strowman pinned Dolph Ziggler for the faces to pick up the victory, but more because of the fact that uh, he kind of pushed Ziggler in towards Tyson Fury. And uh, we see after the match, Tyson Fury jumped the rail and we could have... Uh, a future giants here involved in some form, wrestling versus boxing, once again in WWE. Um, what are your thoughts with this? Um, at first, I didn't mind it from a, um, like you say, like an old school sort of feeling to it. We've seen it before. We've had um, people, Mayweather, um, we, we've had numerous, but we've had Tyson in, in, in wrestling before, not actually competing, but... So, so it's not the first time that we've seen it, and and it may not actually lead to a match between them. It no. might just mean that he's involved somewhere, Tyson Fury, because um, I, I, obviously he's in in real life he is still competing for world heavyweight titles. So I don't think his schedule would allow him to be involved in anything too physical in WWE, unless it was a squash, in which case it would ruin. Um, Braun Strowman in my eyes um, and I know you feel the same on that I do indeed Big Show 2.0 I think it would be very mm. damaging for this to actually be a match to take place and uh, you make a great point with Tyson Fury's schedule allow it uh, Crown Jewel is not so far away um, Big Bucks could be involved for that it would be a great way to get you know I'm sure Fury would be up for doing something in Saudi Arabia knowing if there's some big money involved mm. I could be wrong it could be something that could be saved towards Wrestlemania maybe after where the schedule is a bit lighter who knows? Um, you know, it could be could be planning a very long term ahead. We, who knows what could be the, the thinking here? One thing we do know is that Tyson Fury retweeted loads of people who put this on, on Twitter, the, the video footage afterwards, including WWE. And uh, a rumor has it that uh, he's been offered an open mic for Raw this upcoming week. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see how the Gypsy King, because uh, he's always a bit of um, an entertainer on the microphone. So it could be an interesting segment. Um mm. I just, I, I fear for Braun in this. I do feel that uh, unless you say like Tyson Fury represents a superstar, but 
Tyson Fury is so big, who is going to look creditable next to him? Mm, that's a good point. That is a good point. I, don't, I think it, it could work. Um, what it does, it brings eyes onto the product again, doesn't it, from outside. So it brings a, bo- a boxing interest into it. Um, which might not have been before, so and and other eyes onto it as we'll get onto. Definitely mainstream, and that's where they were going for this. It does look like it's succeeded. A lot of interest has been gathered from this. I like to say, I only worry more for Braun Strowman's integrity and his character. Yes. Um, yeah. But of course, we go on to the main event, and of course, uh, integrity and and damaging of character. Um, we will try and. Take as long as Kofi Kingston did. Uh, Ten seconds for him to lose the WWE Championship against Brock Lesnar. Um, it's a shame for that way for his title reign to end, unfortunately, because he had a great run, in my opinion. Uh, six months as WWE Champion. Maybe looks the people he's beaten look inferior as well to Brock. Um, but I do wish that this match had gone on a couple of minutes longer. Yeah, completely agree. I think he... I, I had no doubt that he wasn't going to retain the title, but I thought especially with the matches that he's had, you know, Samoa Joe, people like that, I felt like it was going to, um, he was going to put up more of a fight and to just run and jump onto Brock and essentially be F5'd, which people have kicked out of before, don't forget. Um, it, it's a shame that he lost it so quickly and 